Well, greetings from Ex-Catholics for Christ. This is our end of the year um, term report, I suppose, as we used to call it at school, of what we've been doing over the last 12 months. And we've been very busy. Uh, James tells me we did over 5,000 miles, and uh, we visited Scotland. Uh, I'll come to that in a minute. We got to Edinburgh, to Glasgow, and to Stirling. And while mm. you were there, you visited Stirling Castle. We also got down to London, Golders Green, where we were the following year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also got back to Oxford, which is a little bit slow to begin with and very cold. But boy, oh boy, did it heat up later <laughs> on in the last hour. Absolutely. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a wonderful conversation, and you did too, with a Catholic theologian, Absolutely. no less, who doesn't believe any of it. But um, no, it's been a very, very busy year. And as always, we look forward to see what's going to happen next year. But um, in England... It's been dominated with Brexit. That's the whole thing that's gone on, Brexit. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, we had a referendum, the first one ever in my life, that I've been able to vote in. 17 million people voted to leave Europe. Leave means leave. (laughs) Leave means leave. And uh, we thought it would go through, take about a year. Here we are, two and a half years later, back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what the state of play is now. The Prime Minister seems to be on the ropes frequently. She flies off there to me. All these undemocratic elected politicians, most of them have been on corruption charges. Most of them will never work anywhere again. The books aren't edited or uh, anything done at all. Audited for 25 years. years. What's going on here? Mm. And you have our Prime Minister only about a couple of months ago flying out at 4.30 in the morning to meet the head of the EU. So Brexit carries on. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're committed legally by law, by Parliament to leave March the 29th next year. Let's see what happens. Laws can be changed. Laws can be watered down. Or we say, well, let's push it back to March the 29th the following year. So we'll have to see on that. We'll go back to the island vote when they had the uh, decision to enter the euro, to take on the euro euro currency. And the Irish government lost Mm. the vote. The people said, no, we want to keep... Was it the Irish pound? Yeah, the Irish pound, that's right. And that shot the government and they said well that's not good enough for us we need another referendum (laughs) which we may see concerning Brexit. Well once again their advisers have told them yes boss we'll get it all through there's going to be no problem at all Um, call for the referendum and of course it went against them but the interesting thing was that the Prime Minister went on the uh, television uh, pleaded for everybody almost castigating the people who'd done it that they had put him in this difficult position that he had to go to Brussels to explain what had happened. And it went back and forth and finally they had enough a referendum and guess what? It was passed. Yeah, which reminds me of when uh, Tony Blair was Prime Minister. He said to Gordon Brown, we want to get rid of the pounds and have the euro. And Brown said, no, it won't work for the UK. And to Brown's credit, he was able to talk Blair out of throwing the pound out and adopting the euro. Still have the pound. But I think if I was a gambling man, and of course I'm not, but if I was, I would suggest we're probably going to see a second referendum, maybe January or February. And with all of the media and the governments and uh, opposition parties and celebrity characters and so forth all pushing to remain, I think it's quite likely that if we have a second referendum with all of the apparatus of the governments and the media and the print press working together, they'll probably do what they did in Ireland, force the people to capitulate and stay in Brussels indefinitely. The whole thing is that the Prime Minister at that time, David Cameron, was told by his advisers that there would be a referendum and the referendum would go the government's way, right. and it did not. And he overnight resigned from the job, was a Remainer, and the woman who took over, Mrs May, was also a Remainer. And so often these people, the advice that they're given, it goes completely against them. Uh, I mean, let's, let's throw it out a little bit more. 
All the pundits said Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. She didn't. All the pundits said Cardinal Scala of Milan would be the next pope. He wasn't. Mm. All the pundits said Ed Miliband would be the next prime minister. And Mrs Miliband was so sure of this that she phoned up uh, Mrs Cameron to say, we'd like to move in one o'clock the next day. Could you have the curtains taken down and we bring our own curtains with us? And also they were going to put a big headstone up in London, in Trafalgar Square, Triumphant March. It did not happen. We're frequently told all of this. and uh, We're told that Brexit wouldn't work and out. Brexit wouldn't work out as well. So Cameron went, but I see he's sort of hanging around a little bit more. So when he's come back in the picture. Again, another ex-Prime Minister like Tony Blair hanging around, putting their, uh, forcing their opinions onto people. But we'll see what happens to Brexit. But it's kind of embarrassing to see Mrs May flying all over Europe, who yeah. incidentally is a type, a type 2 uh, diabetic. And isn't it interesting how she caught diabetes? Yeah when she drafted the legislation to allow same-sex couples to marry, same-sex couples to adopt children. Maybe we'll discuss that in a few more minutes. But it's kind of embarrassing to see her flying all over Brussels with a begging bowl, yep. uh, trying to get a deal done. But like I say, if I was a gambling man, and I'm not, but if I was, I would suggest that it's quite likely we're going to see a second referendum, and which they'll probably vote in order to stay in the EU. Yeah, I mean, Because this country has been brainwashed for yeah. decades when it comes to Brussels. You'd say what the questions are on it. It'll be a lot more, you know, it'll be, it won't be like the last one. But Mrs May goes to church every Sunday, doesn't she? She's an Anglican. In fact, talking about churches, talking about <laughs> religions, we have a couple of guys in the UK who I'm sure some of you may have heard of, a guy called Ian Duncan Smith and Jacob Rees-Mogg, both devout Catholics. And I mean devout Catholics, anti-abortion, anti-homosexuality, and yet they're boss the Pope is in favour of United Europe. One world order, man. Yeah, that's right. And I don't quite understand why these two Catholics are out of step with their own church. This Pope is the arch-globalist. There's no doubt about it. He's the arch-globalist. And, of course, the whole thing is that Europe is one. They tried it years ago. I remember in South America, probably you don't remember, about 10 years ago, they sent Bill Clinton over there to have one currency South America. It never happened. But Europe it had. And you've got 27 nations there now mm. wanting even more to come in. Yeah, these are Roman Catholics who obviously are very... Uh, in fact, Tony Blair's more in step because he's pro-Brussels. <clears throat> and he's a, he's a convert as well, uh, Tony so Blair. Why is he pro-Brussels, uh, the European Union, <laughs> and his, his Catholic counterparts, Reese Mogg, are not. And uh, Duncan Smith are not. Strange. Yeah, that, that's religion for you. Yeah, that's religion for you. But Northern Ireland seems to be the tricky thing. As long as I can remember, there's been problems with Ireland. Didn't Cromwell have some problems in Ireland? They've all had problems with Ireland going back to the 14th century. Wow. <laughs> so what else has uh, um, been of interest to us throughout the year of 2018? Well, um, we're very delighted, dear brother of ours, offered to update our website <coughs> which hasn't been done in what 15 years 12 years <coughs> probably <Excuse> long <coughs> overdue <coughs> and he said no i'll have a go at it and we said well okay take your time because he works very very hard and uh, he's done a wonderful job i think he's almost finished now he has it's finished. all finished all yeah. finished it's up and running very delighted with what he's done there uh, please visit it please let us know what you think we're very pleased mm. that it's come about uh, it was long overdue a lot of cobwebs there and it needed dusting down so we're very pleased that that's happened and we do pray for that dear brother as well um, what else should we be thinking about? Well, for me, the highlight this year has been to go to Scotland. We've driven 5,000 miles this year. We went to Edinburgh, Glasgow and Stirling and other parts in Scotland. We also visited Lockerbie on the way back to England. But my project had been at the end of last year to start preparing for my next video documentary. You may remember I did Oliver Cromwell from 2017. And I thought, who else could I do? And I thought, let's do something on King James. Mm. Not so much concerning the translators or how the Bible came into being. That's been very well documented uh, by experts over well, maybe two or three hundred years. But I wanted to look at the man himself, King James, James Stewart. Who was he? 
and it was fascinating for me to discover that he was a very scarred man and I mean really scarred his parents tried to kill each other before he was even born and that caused trauma in the uh, womb of Mary and of course that went some way in explaining why King James was a very effeminate man and I think he was effeminate was he homosexual I don't believe so but I think when you look at the trauma that Mary experienced when it came to her husband trying to kill her and also trying to kill her unborn child mm -hmm. that causes trauma and you speak to homosexuals or lesbians many times they will say well I've always felt this way they say when I was two or three or before I was born I always felt this way well go back to how you were born what was your environment like were your parents fighting did you experience any kind of trauma growing up and that went some way for me trying to explain or trying to understand why King James was the way that he was. I read many articles, many letters uh, from James to his lieutenants, to his servants, to his friends, to his family. Very flowery language. Of course, that was very typical for the era. But it was very interesting to travel to Edinburgh, where he was born, and go to Stirling Castle, where he was raised. For many, many years, he didn't see, obviously, his mother. She was under house arrest bit like even uh, go back to Henry VIII mm. when Elizabeth was being raised. She didn't see her parents or her father especially for many years. And when Mary uh, was being raised and her mother of course uh, Mary of Aragon she too wasn't allowed to see her mother because in those days royal, uh, royal uh, family members the kings and queens wouldn't allow their children to be raised by their own mothers. They were raised by servants. So poor old King James from a very young age was being raised by people like George Buchanan and who we went to Glasgow, dominated uh, in memory of uh, George Buchanan. Mm. Uh, and poor old James, mother was in prison, uh, like I say, father died at the age of 19. In fact, he was murdered by the age of 19. But very interesting man, a very scarred man. And I think when we speak to homosexuals or lesbians or people from the transgender community, it's worth reminding ourselves why they are the way that they are. And again, it goes back to what is their family environment like? Sometimes before they were born, and many times after they were born. Yeah, I mean, also up in Scotland, you went to John Knox's house, didn't you? Well, John Knox is another interesting character. Yeah. He's called the Thundering Scot, mm. a very controversial Calvinist. And I read a quote a few days ago about uh, uh, Knox. In fact, I'm currently reading a book about Thomas Cromwell. And yes, he was a relative to Oliver Cromwell. And some of the statements uh, from John Knox concerning women would probably be considered hate crime today. But he was a very interesting man, John Knox, always a thorn in the side of Mary, and also was a thorn in the side of King James to some extent. A five-point Calvinist would marry a 17-year-old girl. He was, what, 52, 53? A bit like when Muhammad married Aisha. But these people are all linked up. And if you go to Scotland, you can go into his home, have a look around. It's an ancient building, a lot of history in Scotland, the lovely parts of the UK. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, did Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life? Well, that was certainly uh, having as a hate monger now saying something like that. And in this country, we have these diversity uh, weekends which they send you on if you come out with anything which they find uh, not acceptable to the uh, religious situation. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Methodist, anybody like that at all, but only Jesus. What a thing to say. Absolutely. <clears throat> But looking at King James, a very uh, scarred man, mm. and later in his life, he got a taste for alcohol. I mean, let's be quite honest. When we 
write about people or review people, let's not close our eyes to some of the issues that these people experience. I mean, look at Israel at the moment. Mm -hmm. Benjamin Yetanahu, <coughs> currently under investigation for corruption, for fraud, as is his wife. A lot of our uh, pre-millennial friends wouldn't want to even touch this. No, I mean, he's not the first either. I mean, I can think of three prime ministers before he'd been like this. Yeah. And both of them, I think, were convicted as well. But when we think about <coughs> James, we think about his background. I mean, we will call it as we see it. And yes, he was far from perfect. And it was interesting reading some of the books in defense of King James. And people were saying, well, he couldn't have been a homosexual because he wrote against homosexuality. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything. King David wrote against murder and adultery, and he did both. <laughs> some of our friends, some of our Presbyterian friends and some of our Reformed friends don't understand the two natures in the believer. Now, I'm not going to say that King James was a homosexual. I think it's more likely he was effeminate, going back to his upbringing. I mean, he had no parents. Mm -hmm. He was raised by tutors, he was raised by lieutenants, servants, not much of an upbringing. And even when his uh, firstborn was born, Henry, uh, the Prince of Wales, King James wouldn't allow Henry's mother, Anna Denmark, to visit Henry. He was locked away from memory, it may have been Stirling Castle, as James had been locked away growing up. And of course that was an awful strain on Anna Denmark, who may have been a closet Catholic, we don't know. But all of this leads into the psyche, which takes us to Sigmund Freud. We went to his house this year. Yeah, I just want to get back to um, your saying about uh, James. He would have had many tutors. Their influence would have permeated to him. Yep. He would have been influenced by these men and servants and other courtiers in the court. So we don't know what sort of uh, corruption they were feeding into him or how they were influencing him as well. Well, it's been suggested he was mm. raised very much in a male-dominated mm. world. Mm. But today that's considered a bad thing. Why would it be considered a bad thing mm. back in the time of King James? Mm. I mean, look at, look at schools today, look at nurseries mm. today. 90% of the teachers are women. That's right. And you've got boys, young boys being raised in a female-dominated environment and they are producing beta males. Mm. And boys need strong fathers, alpha males. Poor old King James, just for the record, his father was 19 when he married Mary. She was 23, 24. Yeah. It's far too young. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, <clears throat> a lot of fighting. And on one occasion, Henry, uh, James's father, got a gun out, went to shoot Mary, and of course he pointed it out the womb. She was seven months pregnant. And had he pulled the trigger, she would have died, obviously, and so too would a King James. That's a terrible trauma. Mm. On top of that, she jumps on a horse. She goes from Stirling to Dunbar, a distance of some, I think, 29 miles from memory. She's seven and a half months pregnant. I mean, the trauma mm. that King James, not yet born, would have experienced explains to me why he was the way that he was. Down the line, he will get involved with some murky affairs, considering some archbishops of Canterbury and other bishops concerning friends of King James, concerning unscriptural divorces. And again, I'll write, I do write about that in the newsletter, which you can get at the end of this month. But let's not shy away from the controversial subjects. Let's not close our eyes and say it's not possible. It's all propaganda. Let's have an open mind when it comes to King James concerning my project and even Oliver Cromwell. Mm -hmm. In fact, on Cromwell's deathbed, he was almost questioning his salvation. Mm -hmm. Guilty conscience, you see. So, next year, what are you going to do? You're not sure yet? No idea yet. I'm currently looking, looking at a few uh, subjects from the 16th and 17th century. Uh, but when it comes to King James, let me say a couple more things, if I may, that yes, he was controversial, yes, he was scarred, lost his parents, like I say, 
uh, would give the green light to the commissioning of the King James Bible. And it's kind of sad, really, when people leave comments, not always, but sometimes now videos, attacking mm. King James and calling him names, some of which are unfounded, slandering him, of course. And they are mimicking and mirroring and parroting a lot of his enemies. And I think what's probably happened in recent years is we've had an infiltration into the King James community, which also takes me to the Trinity. Before we get to the Trinity, we went to Sigmund Freud's house. We went to Sigmund Freud's house. As we were in London, uh, we wanted to go there. We also went to where Ruth Ellis uh, shot her lover. That's another story. We wanted to go to where Karl Marx was buried, weren't we? Yeah. But we discovered that the museum is now a private museum. I don't know too many private museums. We couldn't get in there. But we did want to do Marx as well. Yeah, we went to the Sigmund Freud house, went inside. Um, what can I say about him? A lovely house. He came there in 1939, I believe. Died of about a year later but the whole of the aspect of psychology really goes back to Sigmund Freud and uh, you're either a Jungian Carl Jung or you're a Freudian uh, there mm. seems to be nobody in between how would Freud do you think assess King James again he'd go back to the trauma of the childhood yep. the lack of a father he had to put so much of this down to the sexual uh, promiscu of the type, promiscuity of the times as well. Of course, his mother was married three times. Well, there we are. That's what he'd say. But um, it was interesting going to the house. Um, uh, Freud, I mean, he's still very much in the site, in the world now, whereas Jung, who's come much more into his own with New Age religion and all of this sort of thing, dreams and UFOs and hollow earth, which I don't think Freud went into. But he wasn't an atheist, was he? He's very much into the occult, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> It was in the Oco, very a lot of, much. A lot of artefacts and in his I believe, house. Well, I didn't, we didn't go in there, but some of our, our group did go in there. There are a lot of artefacts. I think it's a very religious man. Very religious man, and I think he wrote a treaty about uh, tree, uh, an article about uh, Abraham and um, uh, Isaac and so forth. Yeah, very religious man. I mean, he come from that Jewish, traditional Jewish background as well, so he steeped in the old uh, the Old Testament as well. Didn't believe a word of it, of course. No, didn't believe a word. He was far too clever for it all. But uh, awful death, uh, cancer of the jaw, I believe. The jaw fell off. They had to fit. So excuse, me, they had to fit him with a false jaw. Uh, pus was sort of seeping out. Even the poor dog, uh, which I see in the distance as a dog running. <laughs> waters were starting to seep out so yeah i'm glad we got there anyway of course the stench was so so bad the dog couldn't go into the same room as him terrible terrible but that's what happens when you're smoking you know about 20 cigars a day as well but sigmund yeah. freud the man's gone but the myth lingers on he made an interesting comment a few days ago about how the uh, catholic church has stolen some of our biblical truths uh, like the trinity like the deity of christ the resurrection and that's i think goes some way to explain why so many people professing King James Bible believers are attacking biblical truths like the Trinity and the resurrection and the deity of Christ. Yeah, you just further elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, this, 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 has, this has been around for quite a while. I think I read about it a few years ago. I mean, the early apostolic church, which was founded by the apostles, yeah. which is always there, was there until Constantine came along. And then Constantine came along um, and the Catholic church sort of grew from the decline of Constantine. The Catholic church ascended, the other one descended. But yes, it's got the, the Trinity, the Catholic church believed in the Trinity, which is stolen from the apostolic church. But do they really church. believe in it? Or did, no, just I, give I a lip service. It, it, it came in with, with idolatry of Mary and all this sort of thing but as you say they accept the miracles they accept the resurrection they accept officially um, they do officially. officially they do but so much of their own theology has been mm. put in there as well uh, that the cult of Mary and each Pope seems to bring in more of the cult as well especially but, John Paul II but isn't it isn't it absurd to throw out the Trinity <clears throat> because the Catholic Church believe it or yeah. to throw out the resurrection or the virgin birth well, they, because they, the Catholic Church believe it. They, they stole that from they they stole that from the early Apostolic Church, as indeed does the homosexual movement, who stole the rainbow yeah, and right, also rainbow. stole the um, 
and they claim King James as their and own. And claim King James as their own as well. And also <laughs> they, they stole the word gay. I mean, gay means happy. Yeah. You're a happy person. I won't use the word gay at all, but they stole that, and they've stolen the rainbow, which is God's covenant with Abraham. He wouldn't destroy it again by, wa- by water, by fire. Yeah, I mean, we said it before, if, you know, <laughs> if, I, if we were the devil, if I was a devil, I would pick truths and falsehood. I'd mix it all up. Because at the same time, you want to reach out to people, don't you? I mean, the devil is a very religious character. He is a spirit, of course, and spiritual beings are very religious. But I think you made a good point about how the Trinity mm. shouldn't be thrown out because the Catholic Church have no, adopted no, it. I mean, they've hijacked it. They've hijacked that. They've hijacked, yeah, right. they've hijacked the New Testament. They've hijacked uh, the virgin birth, the, mi- the miracles. The miracles, the resurrection, You shouldn't throw out all, those, all of, that, all of those yeah, biblical truths right. because the but, Church of Rome holds them. But or so they, or but officially they hold them. But all stolen anyway, yeah. What else do you want to talk about? Well, we're still sending a lot of tracks out. People are asked to send tracks out, and praise the Lord, most of them do get through. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them don't get through, and uh, we never hear from some of them. We sent something to Australia a couple of months ago, never heard another word. We went into the post office, we checked it out, and we're told it's still in transit about three months later. Yeah. So then in Canada, we've had trouble there as well. Some countries, it gets through very, very quickly. We're still sending them out. We thank all the people who've asked us for them, and we thank mm. the people who are actually going out on the streets, giving out tracks. That's what it's all about. You've got to get out on the streets. Just back to Brussels very quickly. I think what's mm. interesting uh, to us is how, first of all, it has to survive as the uh, Catholic Church has to survive for the Lord to destroy uh, both during the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation. We see the Pope very much uh, being the false prophets from the book of Revelation and the Antichrist probably coming from the political realm. Brussels is a very powerful organization. I mean, Hitler could never have dreamed never have dreamed how powerful Brussels would be. Well, he, he tried to set it up. He tried to set up something like it with all the, all the, sort of the, all the countries that he had occupied. But he would, yeah, he'd, he'd been really And the current guy who's running it is a German called Juncker. Juncker, yes, that's right, yeah. The, Interesting, isn't it? A German, once again, calling yeah, the shots. That's right. He's got the biggest wine cellar in Europe, so yeah. I'm told. So the, uh, the European Union can't, uh, can't, uh, can't fail. It has to survive for the Lord to destroy it. It has to survive, Along yeah. with the Catholic Church. It has Church, to grow, and it the, has grown very quickly. It has grown, but mm. very mm. Uh, contradictory. You've got people like Blair, a Roman Catholic, in favour of Brussels, mm. in Duncan Smith, Jacob <coughs> Rees-Mogg, all Catholic, who are against it, out of step with their own church. And I would have thought that the nuncio would have called Rees-Mogg in and... In, uh, Ian Duncan Smith to give him a prep talk. Maybe he has. Maybe he did call the boys in and gave them a very nice lunch and they said, well, you know, uh, we're not really interested. We're going to go our own way on this. Which shows that many Catholics don't do as, do, uh, don't do as they're told. As you mentioned years ago in Italy, you know, um, birth control still on the books there, but it's got the highest number of... Uh, no, population was falling, wasn't it, in Italy? Catholics population. Catholic, yeah, it's falling in Italy, and yet they're still yeah. got... Uh, <laughs> but it goes back to Paul VI trying to stop uh, birth control coming in. Yeah, 1968. And he right. got egg on his face. Yep, that's right. Uh, Humane Vitae, I think, was the, the poppy encyclical, and he never wrote another one after that. So King James has been a great blessing for me. Uh, check the newsletter out, which goes out at the end of the month. <clears> very interesting and very scarred king. Was he saved? Yeah, quite possibly he was saved. I he hope was, so. Yeah, he was very so. uh, informative. He knew his Bible inside out, believed it. Uh, but was scarred, was effeminate. I don't accept the suggestion that he was a sodomite. I think he was more likely to be scarred, like I say, and as far as we know, he was only ever married once. Didn't have multiple wives, unlike uh, his Catholic uh, colleagues and uh, counterparts on the continent. But uh, read the article, watch the video, and I think finally we'll talk about Munich Knights. 
Come to poor Munich nights. One day you'll meet King James and you can ask him about all of this. And I always remember that old story. You'll be surprised who's there. You'll be surprised who's not there. And you'll be thankful that you're there. And I think that's probably going to be very true. You might even see Cromwell there, maybe. Think he's I believe, saved? I believe Cromwell was saved. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said, I'm trusting in the covenants, which we'd accept to be faith alone through the shed blood of Christ alone. King James would also say the same thing. But again, these guys are very political. They're very worldly. I mean, they really did live like kings, like David, like Solomon, going back to the two natures in the believer. But I think, just before we get on to Munich Nights, what continues to uh, puzzle me and concern me is this infiltration into the King James movement. Mm. A lot of people are attacking Mm. the King James and attacking cardinal doctrines like the Trinity, like the virgin birth, like the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also concerning eternal security we have to watch these people we have to be aware that enemies are going to infiltrate they're going to come from within not without paul told you this and so too did moses if they came from outside you could see it you could spot it but when it comes or when they come from within you should be aware of it but maybe we'll touch this a bit more before we wrap up munich nights munich nights well munich nights began james when we were in golders green last november and uh, we did an outreach down there and we took a break we went to a cafe i remember a lot of little private cafes there very nice as well and there were some newspapers there which i hadn't seen recently normally up here we see the most of the national papers and i think one of the papers that i saw was usa today it's an american paper and somebody left it there and it gave the news (coughs) that uh auschwitz concentration camp guard lowly guard had been discovered living in America and he was being taken back to Germany to stand trial and I thought this is interesting and he was asked about this he, he incidentally he went to Germany again the pillar of the community Catholic of course and uh, much sought after you know much admired man but he said I always knew the authorities would come and get me and I thought yes he always knew so since 1945 the end of the war he escapes he goes to America but he's always looking over his shoulder he always knew they'd come and get me and I thought this would make a great short story, a great long short story. And when I was a young man, I was very much influenced and enjoyed the short stories of people like, you probably don't heard these people now, O. Henry, John O'Hara, great American writer who wrote Butterfield 8, Pal Joey, and Somerset Maugham, who's probably the greatest of them all. Wonderful stories, always a sting in the tail, and I thought this would make a long short story. So I drafted the idea of a young man won't go into too much of it because, uh, you know, you can read all of this. But a young man... You've written ten volumes so far. Ten chapters so far, so it's gone much longer than short story. Who would be born about 1898. Why not put him in the Nazi party at the beginning, recruiting the Nazi party and go right through the Second World War and so forth. And I was able to bring in people like Captain Ernst Rohm of the Brown Shirts who had this ability or knack to see something in someone they didn't see in themselves. Mm-hmm. There are people like this who see something, and I think this Prime Minister now saw something in the f- previous Prime Minister. Theresa May and David Cameron. She saw something in him which the others didn't, and he was an outsider then, of course. Yeah, so Ernst Rome, I thought, well, I'll bring him in, this young man who I'm writing about, Walter Kuyper, he meets Ernst Rome. Rome thinks, this man could be important to the party. I'll see Heinrich Hibner about this, which brought me into bringing this idea, which I wanted to examine people seeing something in someone else. And I was also able to bring in uh, Hermann Goering's wife at the time, Countess Karen Goering, who was also psychic, that she could see things in people as well. She could look at someone and knew all about them. So that was able to bring that in, and it's really gone from there uh, to see what's happening, the rise of the Nazi party. And I always wanted to look at this party rather a bit like the... um, 
the UKIP party, probably a few thousand members, but it has grown since it first started. I mean, the Nazi party up to the 20s, only, I think about 17,000 members. I mean, who would have thought that it could yeah. you know, win the election in 1933 uh, and a whole, whole thing to plan out for the Second World War and so forth? So I wanted to look at this, and these were ordinary people, Goering, Himmler, Hess, working class people, working class, getting together, saying, if we get in, we'll do this and we'll do that. And there's Himmler saying, yeah, you know, we'll try and find Atlantis, we'll try and find about the Hollow Earth theory, we'll go to Stonehenge, Flat Earth, Flat Earth, and all of that. Whoever thought these people are going to get to power? It's like saying Nigel Farage will be Prime Minister and Meghan Merkel will be the future Queen of England. Can you imagine it? So that's been my project for the last year. Um, as I say, I've done ten chapters. Probably going to do another ten. I haven't got the Second World War yet, but um, I learned so a lot from it. You're starting in the 30s, and the plan is to conclude what in, the, in 2000. <laughs> I mean, the, the year 2000. It starts with the birth of the young man, 1898, and it ends in 2017. Wow. What do you make of that? So just about mid, mid, mid to late 90s. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> He's 127. Yeah. That's right. And you're going to say, how come he's got to be 127? Yeah. Ah, that's where the Jesuits come into it. But I haven't written this yet. But, but I was able, actually, I was very fortunate down there. And the, I think the Lord was with me. I was able to sketch it Did out. Did you say 1897? 1898. 1898. 1898, he was born. He died 2017. That's right. <laughs> okay. But I was able to sketch it out. It's still quite early in the morning. <laughs> I was able to sketch it out back at our hotel, and I, I sketched it out right from the beginning. I went all the way, and I've still got my original notes from
there's no excuse for people to say, well, of course, I can't get a King James Bible. You've got smartphones. You can go on. I think there's a thing called Bible Gate, yeah, which apps. has got the apps there. You can sit down in your own home and you can read it. Yeah. There's never been a better time to study your Bible, study the King James Bible. You don't have to go in some shop and look for a second-hand uh, King James Bible. It's all there. Technology's mm. brought all this in. And, of course, the Lord would have to wait for James to be born because mm. James is Jacob. And, of course, Jacob is Israel, Israel. And where the word of a king is, there's power. I mean, it all fits together like a glove. I think so. But because the devil is able to seduce people, he's able to get people to take their eyes off the book, and he says, look at King James, look at his lifestyle. But you know nothing about the commissioners, the editors of the NIV, do you? You couldn't name two or three of them, could you? Or the NASV, or the New King James, or the ESV, or the Message Bible. You know all about the King James Bible, don't you? Yeah. Which yeah. goes back to when we met Cardinal Winnie in 2000. Yeah. He told us that he loves the King, loved he, the King he James. He loved, he's dead now, how he loved, now get this, how he loved the King James Bible. And it go back a couple of hundred years, they were killing people. He loved the poetry. The, the poetry. King, the poetry. It is beautiful poetry, the Psalms. And, doesn't uh, believe it, of course. Doesn't believe it, the beautiful poetry. He said, I put it on a par with Shakespeare. Well, and this goes to the double talk. That's the double talk. Like yes. the Catholics. I'm not against the King James Bible, but there we are, yeah. And so, then they brought the Dewey yeah. version out, but we could go and talk about this all morning. Okay then, so just an end of year video. Thank you for your <coughs> prayers and support throughout the uh, year of 2018. Please check out the new website. Absolutely. It's all beautifully designed and indexed. You can find all of our articles and our sermons. Also, just a quick mention of I made this Sunday, Lord willing, I will be starting Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Looking forward to doing that. And the first week in January, Lord willing, I will start, I will start to upload... Exodus chapter 1 and my goal will be to upload a chapter each and every month and maybe another two years I guess from beginning to end uh, to finish the entire book of Exodus and to upload what I've already recorded again these these projects take time we've traveled yeah. 5,000 yeah. miles this year we're not just writing articles or doing videos we're trying to get the gospel out we're trying to get people saved we try and kill two or three birds with one stone mm. during our time in Scotland we weren't just filming uh, for King James, we're doing street work. Mm. You're doing a Bible study every morning. A Bible too. study, trying to, you know, <coughs> bless the group. Ready. But our main purpose at Ex Catholics of Christ is to get people saved, born again, washed in the blood. So please pray for us. Please continue to stand with us as we go through 2019. And I think probably that's enough year. for now. We've got a lot to do there. Just a quickie about writing. Somebody once said it's. 99% perspiration, 1% writing. Mm. The preparation, the reading, the assimilating the word. Rewrites. That's what the rewrites, that's not happy. Double that's checking your facts. That's what takes all the time. Someone yeah. says that's wrong there. That's what takes all the time. Yeah. And then you pray the Lord will lead you. And even with Munich Nights, although it's a secular story. And it's fictitious. It's fictitious as well. But I have put real life people in there, of, of course, course, with the third yeah. right. But I've also brought Bible in there as much as I could, the Proverbs and the Psalms and so forth, mm. as I believe it should be in there. So, of course, I pray for guidance and all of it, and as I know you do as Absolutely. well. But thank you to all of you people who write to us and let us know that you're praying for us. Much appreciated. We need your prayers very much. Certainly uh, what we're trying to do. We live in very strange, very dangerous times at the moment. Mm. Uh, we look forward to the Lord to come back. We are ready. Uh, and and I also think the rapture's under attack as well. The rapture's under attack as well, yes, that's right. So Jesuit invention. So-called experts are looking at another Jesuit invention. Oh Trinity, boy. Jesuit invention. Yeah. Some people got the Jesuits on their minds. And Amiga he, Point. He wrote six six articles <laughs> in the Jesuits. He spent yeah. two and a half years yeah. researching the Jesuits. He knows more about the Jesuits than most people do. And even he doesn't give them more credit than they probably deserve. The devil isn't God. 
Is that what the Freemasons say? The yeah, Freemasons right. say that yeah, yeah. Je uh, Jehovah is the devil. That's right. And the devil is Jehovah. Yeah, yeah. Don't give the devil too much credit. Don't give the Jesuits too much credit. As much as they're as wicked as they are, they're not God, are they? No, they're not God. No, but the, but, but the Jesuits, very, very devious crowd. They seem to be surviving through all of it, you know, with this Pope and everything, who's pushing... But they're only men. Raw Marxism, only men. You know, and every so often something comes along like certain cardinal got arrested and he's been sentenced there. So it does get through there. But uh, the Lord, will, the, the, the Bible will survive. King James' Bible will survive. What's it done? 200 years? What's it came out? Yes. Over 400 years. 400 years. Well, there we are. And it's as read today. It's still a bestseller today. And I say you've got your smartphones now and everything. So technology could lead you to learn more about the King James Bible. Okay, well, thank you as always for watching thank our videos. Join us this Sunday for Exodus chapter 20. And again, look out for Exodus chapter 1, which, Lord willing, will be uploaded during the first week in January. Blessings and thank you. Maranatha.